Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Spurs show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Hello, good evening, welcome to a very, very special edition of the Spurs show. Live from the Albany on Great Portland Street. Always louder, second half. Always louder. Uh, First, we welcome my co-host again, Mr. Theo Delaney. Good evening. (laughs) And finally, the man we're all here to see, please welcome Mr. Peter Taylor. On the wing, Peter, Peter Taylor. I wish I could run around like I used to run around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Um, You too can be at these wonderful monthly events. Just go to season.spurshow.net and sign up and get a season ticket. Our next uh, live event is March 26th with the writer Norman Giller. And then April the 30th, we've got Phil Bill. And then May the 14th, our big end of season Spurs show. Peter, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really, Pleasure. really appreciate coming down for Southend. First of all, I mean, you started at Canvey Island playing, I believe, then went to Southend, but you did have a trial at Spurs even yeah. before that. Yeah. What, what went wrong? Yeah, nice gentleman in the, in, in the bar area there thought I was a Crystal Palace supporter. I can promise you I'm a Tottenham Hotspur supporter. All, all, all my life. I used to come and used to come. I remember I watched Spurs play Wolves when Cyril played against his brother. Peter, yeah, well, yeah. Um, so I remember watching all that. So I was Spurs through and through, and um, then I had the I had three trials as a kid, as a schoolboy. First one was Southend, they turned me down. Second one was Crystal Palace, they turned me down. My third trial was Tottenham Hotspurs, they turned me down. I think I had a good excuse on that one because I played in a trial eleven. And on the other team, I played in midfield that day, and, and on the other team was Steve Perriman and Graham Souness. Wow. <laughs> I ain't going to go anywhere near the ball. No, no chance. Uh, but uh, thankfully for myself, uh, I ended up playing for every team that turned me down. So I was delighted in the outcome. But when you were at Southend, how old were you? You were quite young when you got into that, that team. Uh, when I signed professional at Southend, I signed a day before my 17th birthday. Wow. Uh, and with, believe it or not, a month, I think it was no more than a month, got into the first team, which yeah. wouldn't really happen these days, I don't think. What was it like playing in, that was the then third tier? 
It would have been the fourth the division. Oh, yeah, wow. Been the fourth so, division, yeah. Fourth. So, um, what was it like playing, presuming you're up against some right old sort of thuggy players who sort of... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure now I'd probably worry about it if I was going to play against them tomorrow because I'd think a bit deeper about it. But as a young lad, that all of a sudden you got the chance to go and play for your home team because I was born in Southend. Uh, I just went out there and enjoyed it and I'm sure tried to run a few people and have a few shots. And, and uh, that, that was it. You, you had no fear as a kid. Amazing. And then, then talk about big names in your career. Malcolm Allison, hmm. the great Malcolm Allison, then signed you for Palace. And they were there in the old second division. So what's the, I always get confused now, the Premier League. That's the third, the old second division is... Yeah, so, so then, then before, of course, it was yeah. just used to be League 1 and League 2, League yeah. 3, League 4. So it was League 2 for Crystal Palace. Yeah. Uh, met Malcolm. Uh, I went, un, you know, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. No, and, uh, but he was an incredible coach for me he made me every time I went to see him I walked out of his office and I felt like the best player in the world now I know I wasn't but he made me feel like it and um, and I've learned from that on the managing side mm. that you know there's certain people that need a bit of that mm. and mm. Uh, but he was fantastic Malcolm he was so ahead of his time he had fitness coaches he had played the back five in 1976 against Leeds and everybody talks about the back five mm. now um, he was just so different he made you eat certain things where you know, when I started playing, it was always fillet steak at 12 steak o'clock, you know, and it was, it really was. But Malcolm said, no, you mustn't do that. It's now cereal and peaches and cornflakes and all that. And that's what people do now. Incredible, isn't it? He had that, a very nice hat as well, didn't he? He had a lovely hat. And, and when, it was, when it was windy, it used to come off quite a bit. <laughs> and uh, I remember we played Sunderland away and uh, it went all the way down to Sunderland. <laughs> sure, he didn't get it but back from the Malcolm, Sunderland. Malcolm, he had no fear. He didn't care. <laughs> that, so that first season, I think it was like 1973, I think was that first season. You, you were relegated that season, but you won player, player of the year within the club in that first season. What, what Remind people, maybe younger listeners, who are the other players in that side that went on to, on to greater things? Uh, well, you you might, like you? Yeah, you may have heard of them. Uh, say, okay, the ones that were in the team when I first joined were people like Don Rogers, you may have heard of, yeah. and, and Derek Posse and Alan Whittle, and uh, lots of, you know, there's a fellow called Roy Barry, who was a centre-half that used to play for Coventry. He was, he was one of the best captains I've ever played under, and uh, he, was, he was terrific. Uh, but then when um, Terry Venables got involved, Terry was then the assistant coach, uh, or assistant manager, um, you then had, you know, a lot of good young players there that, that it was the, they said it was Terry's team of the 80s or, yeah. or whatever. And, it, and they were very, very exciting. Jim Cannon, Hinchel Woods, and uh, uh, yeah, Vince Hilaire, and yeah. all that. Very, very exciting. Yeah. Um, and it, you could tell, you know, thankfully, so I've had Malcolm Allison as my manager and Terry Venables as the coach. So you're going to learn if you listen to people like that. Two you're legends. Learn. Yeah, to- total legends. That's... Um, Two years later, and again, some of this is on YouTube, and I urge you, even Spurs fans, it's Palace, go and watch this stuff. That 75-76, you went on an incredible FA Cup run as a third division team, uh, all the way to the semi-finals, which, I mean, a rarity. I actually think of your old team, Wickham was a team that did it, and Chesterfield with John Duncan, an ex-Spurs player. Um, These are on YouTube, go and check them out. You, You won at Ellen Road, and then an incredible, as Spurs fans, it was wonderful, an incredible 3-2 win at Stamford Bridge yeah. where you scored two. And even watching the first goal, your shot, I think, crossed the line. I think it should have been an hat-trick well, that day. Well, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, it, again, it was, it was nice for, for Crystal Palace at that time because every game we played in the FA Cup that year, we were at Leeds or we were yeah. at Sunderland and yeah, then all of a sudden to get drawn sorry. against uh, Chelsea at, you know, at least mm. it was a London club for, mm. for the supporters to go and watch and it was crazy. I've got, you know, of course, I've got the, the video at home mm. and horses on the pitch and the fighting <laughs> and going on like the good old days. It was amazing. Uh, but it was, a, it was a great atmosphere and... Um, and I had Peter Benetti, who was the Chelsea goalkeeper at that time. Uh, he was he was then my goalkeeping coach for the under twenty ones, and I scored two that day. And as you imagine I don't I, you know, every morning, Pete. Remember them two goals? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't let, ever that, let him forget. That people talk about the magic of the cup and the cup has lost it. That as a I was about ten or eleven years of age when that happened. That that cup run was so compelling as a kid because you, you couldn't. There wasn't much live football. None of the games were on live. But watching that on the big mm. match, mm. it was. Absolutely awe-inspiring. And the other thing that was so incredible as a kid watching it was because you, you were this big, big star of that team, this incredible winger who's playing in a team that is in the third division. And then, of course, you got picked for England. And it was like, yeah. as a kid, you thought, well, I can't believe it. This guy is so good. He's, he's in the third division, but he's, he's still getting picked for England. So never mind how we felt when, you, when, we, when we bought, you know, when you came to Tottenham. It but was you an mentioned incredible that story. I mean, it, was, it was, you know, then it was... Virtually unheard. I mean, I can't. You might know. Were you the first player from that tier to play? Uh, no, jo uh, Johnny Byrne was the other one Byrne. who also played for Crystal Palace. So oh, he yes. was a, a, a League Three player that played for England as well. And uh, they all thought Steve Ball was a, 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 right. from Wolves as yes. well, but he wasn't. He'd already got promotion for Wolves. Mm, yeah. But um, but no, it's um, how did that come about? Getting because you, you played four times. You scored in your debut, the Wales game as well, didn't you? Yeah, where I, I think where games, I was a little bit fortunate is that when I was at Palace, they they had the under, at that time it was the under 23s, uh, and then all of a sudden the first game was going to be held at Sellers Park mm. against Czechoslovakia, uh, so I got selected for the under 23s. That's how I then got involved, and thankfully for myself, I scored goals in all the games, so it may have just made people think about it. And uh, I think where I was a little bit fortunate not fortunate but I had the ability but I was a left footed right winger which was a little bit different those yeah. days you mm. know now all of a sudden now even uh, with, with Tottenham now you know I, I, I see see players there where the manager's got playing left footers on the right hand side they come in that leaves big holes for the full backs to run into when so now it's normal mm. you know yeah. then 76 it was probably unusual but again you, you, you're relatively young you're playing the third tier again remind people first time you got into the England senior team mm. Uh, remind people again of some of the players that you walked in. What was it like walking into that dressing room? Um, these players not, who not Well, again, I was in the under-23 squad in Manchester to play a game, and then all of a sudden I got the call to go across to the seniors where, where England were playing Wales mm. in the centenary match. So all of a sudden, blimey, I've got a chance now. And then I'm told at half-time I'm, I'm going on. But even before that, there was a Don Revy, who was the England manager. He had a big get-together in Manchester, so he invited about 80 players to talk. I swear to you, I walked through the door... And Emlyn Hughes said to me, Pratty, what are you doing here? Because I look like John Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's entitled to ask, wouldn't he? If you were John Pratt, he'd be saying, um, what yeah. on earth are you yeah, doing yeah, here, yeah. Pratty? <laughs> so, yeah, that was it. And then, and then I, had the, I, had the mill, I had the mill with the players. Very, di very different now. You can imagine the England squad at eating. They'd be on one big table eating yeah. at the same time. Where at that time, it was just like tables for four. And I sat with Roy McFarland and Colin Todd. And I swear to you, after about half an hour, they actually said... Who, who are you? <laughs> so, anyway, I took it all. Took it all. That's not a problem. And I didn't expect them to know me. That's yeah. fine. Unbelievable, isn't it? Then, um, 
going back to the, that FA Cup run, you lost to Southampton in the semi-final. Bizarre, you look at all the games you played or teams you played, that's one you may be expected so to going, win. Uh, yeah, I think it was the first time uh, when, the, when the cup draw happened, because I think it was Man United and uh, South... Uh, no, that was the final, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Man United played, I can't remember, Derby? Yeah, Derby, who were a good yeah, yeah. side, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, a good yeah. side. So, so when we had that draw, we were, we were delighted. Yeah. Uh, the semi-final for our game against Southampton should have finished 0-0. I think both of us were poor on the day, uh, whether it was nerves or whatever. But then they, they, they got the goals and uh, that was it. So uh, it was a sad uh, ending yeah. in the end, but a fantastic memory, fantastic yeah. cup run. And um, so... You can't win them all. No, absolutely. Then um, after that, you then obviously came to Spurs. Palace sold you for then four hundred thousand pound. Was was up, were there other teams interested in you then? And when did you get wind that you were being sold? How did it all come about? Well, it was funny. Again, with the England squad, uh, when I was in the England squad, Trevor Cherry, who used to play for Leeds, uh, he actually um, was. Uh, tug me to say look the Leeds want you you know so I was confident that I was going to be going so believe it or not I sold my house in Crystal Palace I had a house in a place called West Wickham and uh, and so probably my wife will kill me now but, but I, I sold the house and in the end I thought I was going somewhere and it didn't happen you know but on the strength of what Leeds were telling me I thought I was going to go there it didn't happen so we had to then say well okay we'll stay at Palace we've got a flat in Sutton and it's a coincidence that Dagenham are playing Sutton on Saturday yeah. uh, and, and uh, then all of a sudden we're in the flat I think we're only there two nights and then all of a sudden I got a phone call from Tottenham uh, oh, sorry, from Palace to say Tottenham want you. You've got to be at Tottenham next day. Well, wow. for me, I was absolutely over the moon. I was on I was on 190 pound a week at Crystal Palace, and I signed for 180 pound a week for Tottenham. <laughs> so Spurs, classic. You're not the first player to say that. Bloody, as well. You're bloody, really not. Bloody good agent I had there. <laughs> He's a great agent. But no, but again, I think Tottenham's attitude, and it didn't bother me either, uh, was probably, you know, you want to play for Tottenham and this is what we, this is what mm. we pay. And uh, of course, it's changed now. But uh, I was, it was... It was but a you're saying you were a Spurs fan as a kid? Oh, honestly, yeah. I've well. always been a Spurs fan. And still now. And, yeah. and, and that's why I'm desperate. I don't want Man United to nick this manager because yeah. I, th- I think this manager yeah. is, is special. Yeah. And not only is he special tactically, I think he's special that players want to play yeah. for him. Yeah. 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 And, that's, and I think that's massive. Well, we'll talk about that later in, yeah. in your managerial but, career because you're, I know you're going to certainly give us some insight. But for memory, I think when you join, you're probably one of, if not the, the Keith Berkshire's first signings or one of his yeah, first signings. Yeah, I think signings. I might have been. Yeah, my, yeah I think I might have Because Neil had just gone yeah. to Arsenal and yep. I, we've had ex-players here that sort of said the players, the, the, the board apparently said, who do you want? And they said, we were like Keith, we think he's working yeah. hard and all that. Yeah. So he must have been one of his first signings. Yeah, no, I, I think I was. And, and it was uh, a record fee, wasn't it? 400,000. I think for Tottenham. For me, I've got to be honest with you, unless somebody's nicked some money, I, I thought it was 200. Oh, OK. <laughs> well, but, I, but, no, well, I think it was, a, it was a big fee anyway. I mean, yeah, and as yeah. I say, from a young fan's point of view, yeah. it felt like, to me, as uh, it felt like it had been ages since we were any good and we'd bought anyone who was a star and it felt like we'd bought the story of the seat. You know, we felt, felt like we'd bought yeah. the yeah. star yeah. that was going. Well, of course, for me, it was, it was perfect. That's exactly what I wanted. But it was also going to be a big test because I was playing in the third division. Yeah. Mm. And then to come and play for Tottenham, and, and we yeah. weren't the best of teams at that time. No. So it was a big test for, for everybody. Because yeah. Terry Neal had been the manager in the game, we've spoken to a lot of ex players. When Terry came in, he got rid of a lot of senior players at Spurs and he fell out with the others. So Peters went to Norwich. Was it Norwich? Yeah. Mark Peters went yeah, to Norwich. Norwich yeah. Kinnear was moved on. Yeah. Chivers obviously been on the show, stayed, but wasn't playing much. Um, so it. 
presumably it was quite a young team that you, when you joined, it was quite a, a, a young yeah, team. Yeah, now, yeah, I think it was. And I say, I, I think it, they probably needed... They probably needed not to be in the top division because mm. then the young team would have gelled and won yeah. matches and kept confidence going. To then have a test like all of a sudden you're playing in the top division, mm. it would have been tough. And, uh, and it was tough. Uh, but uh, I think everybody learnt from it. You know, we got relegated, unfortunately. But uh, uh, I think everybody learnt from it and they, they, they grew on it on the strength of the following season, and which, was, which was good fun. Because I'm trying to think, you were probably... Was it Jimmy Neighbour was the player you were up against? Jim, yeah, no, Jimmy, Jimmy then went to Norwich. So right. I, okay. When I joined, Jimmy then went out the door to Norwich. And, so who was uh, the other winger then? Was not Coates. Coates had already gone. Ralph Coates was there. Yeah. Coates was there. Yeah, so Coates he was did. another wide man, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was another one. But uh, but I, I say I was a, a left-footed right winger. Ralph, I think, played that, that side as well. So I don't think Ralph played so much. And um, But no, I think um, it was a healthy competition. Yeah, but I mean, you made, I mean, you made your debut against West Bromwich Albion, which sadly we lost, but you scored. Yeah. What was that like as a Spurs fan as a kid? And you'd already had a great career in the lower leagues. Try and talk us through that moment when you know you're, you're going to start and this is your team. What, what was that like? Well, again, again, I think about it now and you think, blimey, that, you know, I probably should have been nervous. Mm. But if you're a young player and you've got confidence in your ability, you just want to get out there. You want to put that Tottenham shirt on and you want to get out there and play. Now, it started brilliantly because we went two nights against West Brom, I remember. Right. But, uh, but no, so I didn't really have... I think I was at that stage where I didn't worry about things, you know, and that's what I think helped me be a confident player. If you try things, you've got to be confident enough to try them. So it's not that I was... I never would have been nervous before games. I'm probably more nervous doing an after-dinner speech. Mm. But then I do know that if you're nervous, there's a fair chance you'll get a better result, you know, a better better performance. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, As you mentioned, we got relegated uh, that season. Um... But, you know, you did score some crucial goals. I remember there was two in a draw in Man City. The uh, winner at home to Ipswich, I remember. Wins yeah, at home remember. to QPR and Villa. Yeah. Do you, why, why do you think we fell short that season? Because you know, we had some good players and we got some... De- and the season before, we'd finished ninth, didn't we, under Terry Neal, I think. And then it just yeah. plummeted. Why I, I, think I, think you, I think you might hit, hit it on the head earlier. That I think there's going to be a time, and it still happens these days, where the squad probably needs a change. You, know, right. you need to change your faces and all that. And I would have said definitely, looking at the Tottenham team that I played for in the first season, we weren't good enough defensively. You know, yeah. and, uh, and of course, Pat then went to Arsenal, yeah. and all, which was a massive blow. And a massive blow, if you think about it, the presence of Pat, and then all of a sudden Barry's then got to come in and, and take over probably people would have lost a little bit of confidence that you're going to get that clean sheet and things like that, how solid a team is going to be. So I think it was just that, that, uh, that spell of that time where Keith, in the end, had to make some changes. He had to bring in some fresh blood, uh, hungry players to go and do it. And to be fair to Tottenham, uh, they've stuck with him. You know, well, this day and age, imagine somebody getting relegated in the happen. first season. Premier League. Your history, aren't wouldn't you? Absolutely you know? wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. You, um, you get well, back ten weeks now. That season, although I just mentioned some games there where we sort of hey, kicked off. <laughs> um, you know, we had some good wins. Then we had a really bad run, and, and relegation was sealed. It was a five-nil defeat at Main Road. Yeah. We lost at Man City. Yeah. yeah. Many Spurs fans here at home remember that. So the last game of the season that we was at home against Leicester, we we won two nil. Uh, Jimmy Holmes, I know, scored one from from memory. I, I was at a young kid. I just remember, obviously, just the sorrow of going down. 
But the fans that day, and I've said before on the show, that to me was what the great about Spurs fans. We just got down. I mean, now you get the, you get all that yeah. going on. Yeah. They, we invaded the pitch. The, the, fan, the players had to come back out. You've just been relegated. I mean, what, what you've been through. You know, you're the ones doing it on the pitch. You had to come back to the old West Stand and stand there and wave. Do you remember that last game and the atmosphere? Of the... Yeah, I'm trying to think if I played. I can't remember if I played in that last right. game. But, but to me, I think there was always... Uh, I think that is the difference. That is a, that is a classy set of supporters mm. then doing it that way. Because then, you know, if you think about it, if you go the other route, as you say, the mm. swearing and yeah. the pointing and all that... Players are not going to really respond to that either, you yeah. know, and if they've got anything about them. So, um, so I think there was a tremendous determination. Mm. Um, and I know that we played a very different way the following season as well. I know we played Stevie Perryman back at times and Terry Naylor getting up and down the lines and mm. all that. And we played a lot of football. Mm. Uh, so that was a really, really enjoyable year. But I'm sure the end of the season before when we got relegated with the, the good feeling of the t- determination and togetherness, mm. I'm sure little things like that kicked in. Well, let's talk about that second division season after this very short break. If you enjoy listening to the Spurs Show Live podcasts and haven't yet made it along to one, we've got five free tickets to give away to the next show with Spurs Oracle Norman Giller. If you'd like to apply for a free ticket, just drop us an email at spursshow at playbackmedia.co.uk or tweet us at Spurs Show saying, I want to see Norman Giller. If you'd like to become a Spurs Show season ticket holder, you can for just £10 a month. And then you can also get to see Phil Bill in May, and you can bring a friend along for that too. And you'll get tickets to our big end-of-season show. Last year it was Ryan Mason. Look out for what we've got this year. Details at season.spursshow.net. Back to the organ music. The Spurs show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. And we're back. There we go. That's, uh, we're just dropping an advert in now. It's funny because that's a Division 2 season. And I think your experience of playing the lower leagues probably helped. I mean, the, just to remind people that pretty much the ever-present midfield that season was you, Glenn Hoddle, Neil McNabb, and you mentioned your lookalike, John Pratt. Uh, <laughs> you scored 11 goals that season in the league. Uh, notable big wins uh, for those who don't remember was obviously the Bristol Rovers game which again still on YouTube scored with a header uh, Oldham Blackburn Luton away but then <laughs> typical Spurs we then had one win in six and it came down to the last two so matches that season yeah. there was Hull at home which was a midweek game they'd already been relegated yeah. We won one nil, a hotly disputed game. Do you remember those last two games? Yeah, I do now. I remember. <laughs> I, remember I, I knew how much we had to beat Hull, um, and then the Southampton was again. You know, think about it now. I think bloody hell, we got we got to do this, and um, and they, it was a tense game. And uh, I think you know there, there was definitely not going to be a lot of goals in it. That no. was, uh, and uh, and you know it was it was it was. I, I can remember somebody uh, Stevie Perryman sent me something the other day of of us being on the beach down there after we'd got promotion. Oh, really? we went down there we went down there to play a game in, in yeah. Devon or Corn- Devon in Devon and um, that was good fun but uh, it, it was a very very you know uh, nervous match um, because you know how much you work hard all season to try and get promotion mm. and you could have blown it that day and uh, I remember Southampton hitting the post didn't they the Tony Funnel hit the post yeah, my god that's right. But they, they only needed a point as well. Well, we didn't know this because this, okay, again, yeah. this story, Tony Naylor told the story last yeah. month. Yeah. 
but Brighton, Brighton missed out on goal difference, and word got around that they were losing, and were all the fans that they're losing, but they weren't. They were winning. It was like to the old transistor radios, trying to tune it in long wave, get the shipping forecast. I don't know what was going on, but um, you you were instrumental in getting us up that season, and I think another player. Um, John Duncan top scored with, with 16. I mean, talk about some of your teammates then. We'll come to Glenn Hoddle later, obviously, that you've got a very close association with. What other players in that particular team you think maybe didn't get the credit they deserved? I mean, John Duncan, I think, to me, was a, a wonderful, in the penalty box, a wonderful yeah, striker. He, he's, he was a little bit like Jimmy Greaves, John yeah, Duncan, I in the respect. They never used to hit the net, but yeah. used to go over the line. He, yeah. he didn't <laughs> smash him or nothing like that. So he was, he was the finisher that we had to have. Then, of course, you had Ian Moores and Jerry Armstrong, not always playing every week, but they could, they could get a goal and they could be a presence. Uh, I thought Neil McNabb yes. could have played even more. He I was agree. so skillful. It probably didn't do him any favours that he had somebody like Glenn in the team. Mm. Uh, and obviously in Ricky a little bit later on, I that's think. Right, that's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but again, one of the problems when you yes. play such tremendous footballers, you then got to do something defending as well, and that probably didn't help you know, players yeah. like, like Neil. And, uh, be, you know, because... You know, John Pratt, I'm sure, played in the team mm. simply because he would put in his shift as a defender mm. as well. And, yeah. uh, but I, I remember Jimmy Holmes. I thought Jimmy Holmes was a good player. I thought John Gorman was a good player. Mm. He was a jinky, jinky fullback, uh, yeah. John Gorman. And um, so, yeah, I, I think um, I think all the players grew. You know, John Lacey, um, you know. Uh, I thought was so effective. You know, he'd win his headers and he'd never give the ball away. You mm. know, and so that's good good management. Whoever uh, done the recruitment there. Mm. You watch some of those games again. Thankfully, um, good old YouTube stuff. You can still watch. You, you just watch them. Whole goes. You and Glenn, I think, had a great understanding on the pitch. Do you think, looking back now, on the great players you played with, do you think he was the best player you probably played with? Oh, he's. Anybody ask me the question, I don't hesitate. He's the best player I've ever played with, uh, not only for his ability, uh, but for his brain and, mm. and his again cleverness. You know, I was very fortunate. I played as a as a right winger, so I needed somebody to see me. You know, now right. Glenn could be in the left back, mm. it, it could be in the left back position, and he'd see you. He just said, "Bosh," you know. But the the, the greatest thing about Glenn is that I knew. I, I think we had a really good um, uh, relationship. In I knew what he was, what he was going to do, and he could have been, all of his, both his eyes, his body, everything would have been there. Mm. I knew he was going to go outside of his right foot into my path. I knew it, and uh, so I'm on my way. And uh, so to get service like that as a winger, I'm I'm lucky. I'm but he lucky. used to put, you know, some some I don't know which ex player said he. Someone was the thing. He had feet like hands, and mm. some people said he had feet yeah. like golf golf yeah. clubs. Yeah. There was something about was who was it? Venables, Venables said it. There we are. Yeah. But again, that, that sort of stop ball he used to play. So you'd start, and it would come, but it would stop. It Back would just, just yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you wouldn't break your stride. Yeah, yeah. No. To well, take the ball on. I, I say to players now when I'm coaching, is that if your pass means that the your your teammate can have one touch. It's a great pass. Mm. Yeah, that's how I see it. Yeah. Now that to me, Glenn. Glenn didn't just say Peter's on. He would say yeah. Peter's on. But if I put it there, he can mm. then cross it for somebody yeah. else to score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the difference. That, you know, that is that he's just so far ahead. Yeah, amazing. No, a, a, a one wonderful player. He should have scored more goals, Glenn. I yeah. Think that, uh, looking scored. at his ability, great, good, good mm. size. In, you know, good size. The only thing he couldn't do, he wasn't rapid around the pitch. Mm. But blimey, he, he scored the ball. a lot of goals. 
goals in his early season, yeah. in his early seasons, yeah. and yeah. then it seemed yeah. to stop. Why do you think well, that was? Um, well, of course, people would have been aware of him. Yeah. But but I remember him scoring a header at White Hart Lane. I can't remember the, the team that they played against. But I think we all used to say, "Bloody hell, he should he should do that a lot more." You know. Yeah. He's tall. Uh, he's a tall player. Yeah, no, yeah, great size. Yeah. Great yeah, size yeah. In, in every way. Yeah. yeah. You were known during that era, and again, it was sort of magnified on the big match which again was a regional ITV show that used to have a lot of London games you were known then as a bit of a joker in the dressing room Mm. Uh, I interviewed on the phone Colin Lee two weeks ago (laughs) who told me this story great story about him joining Bristol Rovers young player nervous thrust into the team because John Duncan was injured and he told me the story that he was very very nervous he literally met most of you in in the dressing room you shook hands with him in a false finger and it's the palm of his hand. You know? I, ex- I explain. To be fair, I got that yeah. false hand off of Glenn. Oh, really? And it, it actually was a hand. It wasn't a finger, it was a hand. Uh, so I say this to people now because people who see me on the television, they think they probably think miserable, soddy, what he is. But I was the club idiot. I yeah. was the club idiot. So, so we used to do that one, the false hand. So yeah. any new player, yeah. uh, they used to get it. Oh, my... And uh, that was a good one. And um, no, I used to no, I used to be flying all over the place in hotels with yeah. tomato ketchup over my bugle and tripping up myself and yeah. all that. So, but there was a game, the, the, the big match. There's this great footage of game. There's you, Bobby Moore, and Rodney Marsh, Brian Moore, the late great Brian Moore. Yeah. And again, you're famous. The, and the, the, the Norman Wisdom. Norman Wisdom, yeah. Which that was which, the one of his day, wasn't it? The Wisdom. Yeah, one. no, it was Norman Wisdom, but it sounds more like Frank Spencer these days. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was good fun. Again, yeah. it was. It was. And I remember I had the jacket and the hat on that, oh, really? that day for the, <laughs> right. for the thing. Me, but uh, but no, I, I think little things like that. You know, that's the same as the spirit is these days. You've got to have certain people yeah. in the club that's going to. You know, keep you going. I can't imagine it anymore. I can't imagine. Eric Lamella with a false hand now or whatever. I just can't. But they, I, just, did, I wonder if they got try one it. leg in fairness. But uh, I just can't imagine it now. Um, so that summer. Um, We'd gone up. Obviously, we all witnessed the wonderful 78 World Cup in Argentina. And then we signed Ozzy Ardiles and, 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 and Ricky Villa. I mean, it was just... It was seismic at the time. Front page news. What was your recollection? Where were you? It was about the JFK. Where were you when JFK was shot? Where were you when, when you heard that Tottenham had signed um, these two World Cup winners? I can't remember exactly where I was, but I couldn't believe it. And I thought, well, fair play to you, Keith Birkenshaw. And I think about it more now than what I did then. But mm. I thought to myself, blimey, we've now got two of the best players in the world, you know, and uh, what incredible signings they are for, for Tottenham. And, um, and it, it was good for me as well. I was really lucky because the first night they joined us, which was in Holland, uh, we had, I was in a three-bedroom room with oh, them. Really? You know, really? And I swear to you, I can't swear on you, can I? <laughs> yeah, of course you can. No, it's a can podcast. You? Yeah, yeah, it's a podcast. All wanted, no one's listening, don't worry. All, all they wanted to know was about English swear words. I swear right. to you, that's all they wanted to know. Yeah. And, and, and when I then said things like bollocks, they loved it. They absolutely <laughs> loved it. And, um, and so when, when, when I knew that all they wanted to know was the swear words, I thought, you've picked the right room here, mate. <laughs> so, um, but now they... They were, they were fantastic. And, and it's funny today, I, I think anyway, you look at modern players today who are the foreign players, mm. 
uh, if they knock one over the bar, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Then, but then you talk to them after the game and they can't speak English yeah, at all. Yeah. But, they, but they know the swear words. Did you they see Di Maria playing for Manchester United the other week in the Champions League? Right. And when they scored, he'd been getting stick from the crowd. And he just, all he did, is the he just went up and he's going, fuck off, fuck off, to the Man United fans over and over again, right on the telly. It was so clear. Yeah. Well, Simeone yeah. last night with the, with the, when they scored the goal, he's doing the old Cajones thing to the... To right. the Oh, everyone, the UEFA officials go, well, what's he doing? Yeah. But again, going back, you know, obviously we were talking about your, your, your managing later, and you touched on it there, what fair play to Keith. Again, th- th- this was the era before YouTube, people sending you videos, mm. huge scouting network around yeah. the world. It's gone over to Argentina, which wasn't well known. And then, you know, Keith was, as people have said, and we've had him on the show, he's quite a dour Yorkshireman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he no, was, he's not the most know. cosmopolitan bloke. And the fact that he's gone out there, and they know the stories, he's, he's gone out there and he's called, I think it was Sydney Wells, the chairman then. Yeah. So they want X yeah. amount. Have, have we got. 375,000 or whatever it was, yeah. He's got a mate, a guy called Ricky Villa. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Yeah, just just yeah. now, like, yeah. what, what? what that was, I like? suppose. All right, then, well, then but, but in fairness, you said, well, to him, he's got a mate. He's, well, he's that was being, the master the national stroke. team. Bring another one with yeah, him. Yeah. Make, no, makes I, sense. I, again, I think, you know, to me, they put a bit of thought into it, you know, because yeah. it would have been difficult. It's obvious they were desperate for Aussie. Yeah. Uh, and then they'd have certain, they'd have seen certain things about Ricky and they'd say it's worth a go. It's yeah. worth a go. And, um, but they were, they were terrific signings. They were very clever. They didn't understand English unless it suited them, you know. Oh, so, yeah. so, so if it meant, if it meant like Aussie run up and down and pick up a weight and run up and down the terraces, I don't know what you mean. But if it's 250 quid to open a sports shop, they knew exactly what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> but they were, they were, I've seen Ozzy every, every now and again, and he's, he's still, he just seems to enjoy himself every day. Yeah. He loves him. He's always he got a it. smile on his face. And, he's, uh, and he was, as, as much as I would say that Glenn Hoddle was the best player I've ever played with, Ozzy was the cleverest. You know, right. when Ozzy played for Tottenham, to me, it always, if, he knew if I was going to take on the left back, he knew, he knew the areas to be if I wasn't successful. So in other words, if all of a sudden the left back's got the nick and he's come inside, Ozzy would pick up the second ball. And, yeah. uh, so he was very clever. And, and we all know, you, you'd all seen Ozzy play. Um, when he used to get the ball and run into the box, he used to run so fast and he used to say, Corn, you touch me, I'm going, yeah, I'm flying. You know, and uh, very clever player, but never used to score many goals, did he? That was his right. thing. But, no. but he told us the story. I, I kept saying, you don't cross it, Ozzy. And you don't, he said, he, he reckons as a young boy, all he did as playing football as a young boy was play with his mates and he wanted to set them up to score. And that's why he got into the habit of not scoring himself. Interesting. Mm. But when they, when they signed him, I mean, because it was so bizarre, it was bizarre, wasn't it? And nothing like that had ever happened, not even remotely in and English football. This is a football. team, that, you know, we, we'd been in the second division. It yeah. wasn't like we were Liverpool, Man It wasn't United. even like we were the glamour yeah. team. Yeah. They weren't just from, they weren't from Holland or Belgium. They were no, from the no, no. other side of the world. Yeah. They were so exotic. So even though we were so excited as fans, there was something in us that thought, this, how can this work? I mean, they're like aliens. Did you, uh, did you doubt, because you're a football man, so did you think, as a football man, they are quality players, quality players will work wherever? Or did you think the culture shock is going to be so great, I don't know if this will work? Um, I'm, I'm sure at that time we probably thought it's going to be a test for them uh, yeah. and a test for us as well because yeah. there would have been times they wouldn't have understood us if we wanted them to do certain things and, and that's it. And Everybody's got to be on the same, on the same wavelength. So, so I'm, I'm sure that we all, um, not nervous about it, we knew about their ability, mm. but whether all of a sudden you're coming from Argentina and then you're going to go and play at Tottenham, mm. it's very, very different. Yeah. Uh, 
But, you know, to me, the way that it's worked out, Keith Burnshaw deserves a load of credit yeah. for that. You know, I'm sure Keith would have been the fi- given the final nod on that. Um, and it could have gone pear-shaped. But the way it's worked out, as I say, yeah. it weren't just a case of signing somebody from France. You're signing yeah. a, well, yeah. a World yeah. Cup winner. Yeah. You know, exactly. un- unbelievable signing. I mean, that season, again, we were season, we'd, we'd just come up. I think we finished, I think, credible 11th at the end. But at the beginning of the season, we were awful defensively. Yeah, yeah. There was obviously the uh, first home game, Villa lost 4-1. Mm. The Liverpool 7-0 defeat. Um, what, what was said amongst the players to sort of go, <laughs> we've got to change things here? What was done tactically on the, um, coach, on, the, on the training field to go, this clearly is not working? Because maybe as a team, we weren't used to playing through the midfield. Yeah, and when yeah. you got Ozzy and Ricky, you had to play. You couldn't bypass them. You had to play through them. Yeah, well, I think I think that's where Steve Perriman became very important, you know, because I think Steve, he was a brilliant captain. Uh, he was a brilliant captain for the manager, but he was also a brilliant captain for the players because if any of the players stepped out of line or, or Steve felt they could do more, he would let them know. Right. Uh, but he would also say to Keith, you know, defensively, we can't do it this way, you know, and, you know, I've heard some really funny stories where Keith had to leave out Ozzy or Ricky or, or Glenn or Neil McNabb because of the, because of that, they're just total footballers, you know, so it was great then if you if you've then got the ball, but mm. the minute you lose the ball, yeah. it's going to be bloody hard work to get it back because yeah. you haven't got players to do that. Mm. Um, so I'm sure there'd have been lots of meetings like that um, with Steve, uh, pushing that we've got to be a bit more solid as a team, and I think you'll find that's where you know there were changes on you know on the selection because of that. Mm. That that season, the season we came out, you you top scored. You I think you finished with eleven goals that season in thirty two games. Was it surprising then the following season, seventy nine eighty, you didn't feature as much as people thought? Was that because Ricky Villa now was sort of playing out wide and now was sort of. In your position, what, 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 what sort of changed there within the team? Believe it or not, I, I explained to somebody earlier that I had got a pelvic injury. Uh, so those 30-odd games that season, mm. I couldn't play anymore after that. Uh, and I was—I actually say to people now, oh, I finished top scorer that year yeah, and I only did. played That's 30 I know, game. I know. Uh, so that, I was a bit gut because yeah. people imagine, people say, well, do you think you could have done better at Tottenham? Of course I could. I wish I'd have played better for Tottenham. But I was a little bit unlucky with an injury. They call it symphysis pubis, which is where, my, where your right. pelvic moves, right. pelvic moves, and you have to have something fused from your hip into the pelvis. Now, now they they don't even think about it. I think I was the fourth person to have it done. Um, it was very new injury. Um, so, and again, I relied on my pace. So, mm. so to be fair, that didn't help my situation. And I've got to tell you a story about Keith Birkenshaw. And again, mm. I, you, we all learn. We all learn. You know, I'm sure I'm, I'm still learning now. But Keith said to me, Peter, I don't think you're ever going to be the same player again. <laughs> oh my Thanks, god Keith. yeah um but but it, he was just being honest that yeah. was keith that yeah was but keith. that's quite crushing to hear isn't it, it? well exactly yeah. i wanted to probably yeah. you know, yeah. just butter it up a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean it was like what you <laughs> said earlier time, about malcolm i was just about to hang myself there, yeah but, uh, <laughs> because malcolm allison is that's a it quite an interesting totally the opposite totally, totally the opposite, opposite yeah, yeah. But he, that was keith being honest you know yeah. it wasn't it, honestly there'd be managers around today that would do that to get rid of you yeah and they would be being dishonest or whatever but keith was being honest and i took it i took it i didn't like the way it happened but um uh, but in the end i knew i knew then i was struggling i, I knew then i wasn't struggling uh, in the end i got myself fit again yeah but i knew i wasn't in the manager's eyes there so i knew i, I was not weren't going to play as much because the following season the eight lots of fans the 80 81 season when 
things clicked when Crooks and Archibald came yeah. in. Yeah. You started all those games early on, and as a, as a wide man, you must have thought, great, I'm sort of back fit now. I've now got two players that will move all over for me. Yeah. You must have thought you could kick on again then. Yeah, well, I, I probably did. Uh, you know, I didn't lose confidence um, in that, but in the end, you can only then play um you know if if you're selected to to do it right and uh but I, I thought i must admit with steve archibald and garth crooks their movement was terrific and mm. uh, if you meant you could get good service to them uh, they were always going to be a handful and uh so um of course for me um you know i was a Tottenham supporter so i was pleased they won cups yeah, but yeah. it was hard for me a little bit because all of a sudden i'm not there and i'm not playing yeah what, what how did that come about because i mean I, no disrespect. I mean, you, you went to Orient, but that was the yeah. lower league team. Was it because of this injury thing? Why don't you think, or maybe they did, did a team from the first division come in for you? Or how did that all uh, come No, about? no, no. Honestly, the reason I went to Orient is I, I felt as I wasn't wanted anymore and I wanted to right. play football. Right, uh, right. Because that, that's all it was. And Orient, um, I'm not saying it was a great move, but it was convenient <laughs> because where Orient was, I lived in Brentwood at the time, right. uh, which was half an hour from there and half an hour from Tottenham or whatever. Uh, so, and I wanted to play football. It's as simple as that. It was not, I, was, you know, I wasn't the type of person to go training every, every day, all week, and then not have the, 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 the stage to play on. You know? So was it a decision for you to leave? Did you go to Keith and go, I want to play like, in week in, um, week they, they, they would ring you to say, uh, Orient want you. So again, right. if they do that, then to yeah. me, it just mounting up. You, you can speak I to I didn't them. want them, yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't wanted. And, and, it, and again, now I've been in management so long, it has to happen. Sometimes that happens. It's a difficult mm. decision. And, uh, and if, you, if you like somebody, you know, I've let players go that I really like and it's yeah. a hard decision. I've let players go that I can't stand. That's an right. easy decision, you know. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. easy, easy, yeah. you know. So, so it's, it's leaving players out when, when they work their socks off to get in the team. Mm. That's hard work, you know. But so yeah. as a manager, it's not easy to just say to a player, go, you know. Yeah. I mean, you kept playing, so this is 1980, you kept playing for another 10 years to around mm. 1990, yeah. various sides. And then obviously you cut your teeth in management, um, various clubs, until we go back to Glen Hoddle, uh, got you in to manage the England under-21 side, which we all remember you had a fantastic record with. Absolutely brilliant. Changed things. Wonderful football. So maybe you don't know. What happened there? Why did they suddenly bring in Howard Wilkinson? (laughs) Talk about dour northerners. Dour people in. What what happens? Tell us the story how you got that job. Because, I mean, the England things are... Because you'd managed, but at that stage, not... First division. No, teams. no, no. I, I started. Uh, I, I was uh, honestly. I, I um, in 1970. I run a Sunday morning team. I've, right. I formed it together to my mates. I've always said to myself, I'm going to be a manager or right. a coach. So every Sunday morning, I was doing for like ten years. Even when I played for Palace and and probably played, I played for Tottenham um, when I had a Sunday morning team. And Ozzy and Ricky come and watch a game. I, yeah. I, I remember it. And um, and so I always knew I was going to be a, a manager, uh, determined to be a manager. Eventually, I. Um, uh, do non-league on a Saturday started off at Dartford and went to Enfield which is good fun and then all of a sudden Stevie Perriman comes in for me at, uh, at, at Watford uh, Peter Shreves I think went from Watford to be an assistant to somebody at Tottenham I, I think he was somebody's assistant I thought so uh, so I then go to Watford with Steve had two years there and during that time uh, Glenn Hoddle was um, given the football league job 
as right. the uh, so we used to take a team to Italy every year. Okay. So Glenn rang me to say, would you come and do some uh, be my assistant for this right. this trip? So I worked for Glenn for something like four or five days uh, out in Italy. So that's where he had assigned me coach. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden he gets the England job. I could have gone to Chelsea with him. He went to Chelsea, okay. Glenn. Uh, but that's, and John Gorman decided to stay at Swindon. Because right. John was going to go with Glenn. Right. Mm. And then John decided to stay at Swindon. So then Glenn rang me. And I felt as I was letting Steve Perriman down by going. Right. Um, right. So I couldn't, really, I couldn't really do that. Thankfully for me, uh, Glenn got the England job. And then I was, I was a... Uh, it was a message on my answer phone, uh, and I was in America for something like ten days, so I never got the uh, got the message. <laughs> my God, it was a nightmare. So then, all of a sudden, I'm listening to my answer phone message. I think, shit, I got message it. number Glenn seven. <laughs> Uh, Message but, number eight. But, but eventually, eventually, um, he speaks to me, uh, and I was I was outside South United's uh, football clubs because I was working there doing the academy at that time. And Stevie, uh, uh, sorry, and Glenn uh, said to me, "Look, I'd like you to be the first under twenty-one full-time manager. What do you think? Nothing to think about. I'll, I'll, Amazing. I'll be there. And how did that work then? You know, because you're now. Obviously, you're not going day in, day out. You, you get players for a certain amount of time. But you obviously had to go and watch certain games and yep. go, yep. obviously, you've got a certain amount of players to play from age-wise and everything. Yep. How does that kind of work? Sort well, of you get you, you straight away, it was, you know, I'm sure it's, it's probably even more organised now. But at that time, you get your list of players who can play for England right. who at a certain age. Uh, but then, being full-time, it's then up to me to make sure... Terry Venable said to me, you can be as busy as you want to be. Right. You know, if you, if you want to be lazy, you can be lazy and you still get on with the job. But if you want to be busy, then you can... And then contact all the managers, get the relationship going, yeah, yeah. offer to go in and coach at their their younger oh, wow. levels and all right. things like that. So I, I was really uh, into that, and, yeah. and so I thought one of the best. You know, we did have a good team and we won a lot of matches and yeah. we qualified for a lot of tournaments. But I thought the, the the most important thing I'd done was build a relationship up with a big with the top managers, uh, and I think that was very important because you're you're having their players for a week and, and mm. they're not costing you anything. Mm. The English FA are having the players for nothing. So what happened? Cause, uh, if you might not know the whole Wilkeson thing because you're doing so well. What's the story? Oh no, I, I know exactly what happened. Oh. I know it. It's just that Howard, Howard, then they wanted Howard in as a technical director, right? Okay. Uh, and and then, of course, I'm still there with Glenn, and then all of a sudden, unfortunately, Glenn gets the sack after the Sweden game, mm. and uh, and then Howard, who was very honest with me, to be fair, said, "Pete, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I've got it in my contract that I'm going to take the team over in a year's time." Right. I said, "Oh, right, okay." Uh, and it's because the the French way, the French technical director looked after the under twenty one team as well, right. and that's what ha- what Howard wanted to do. So in the end, I said, "Well, you can appreciate it. it's quite difficult for me now, knowing I'm not going to be here." Pointless. Uh, so <laughs> we left. I left a year year early. Right. And then oh. you went to was it, it G- went to Gillingham, Gillingham, yeah, and got a, got a promotion got in the first season at Wembley, yeah. in a playoff final, which was good fun. Yeah. Um, and then 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 it was Leicester, the, the Leicester. top flight, which yeah. Was, don't, for health reasons, don't follow Martin O'Neill. Yeah, I read. Why? Why'd you say that? He's a god. He's an absolute god. Right. Yeah, uh, well. absolutely. Anything I'd done was wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but we, but we done all right. For ten months, we done all right. And, yeah. um, and uh, but that, but but that was a. I loved the club. To be yeah. fair, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And then you had this 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 great thing on your CV. One one game, the caretaker manager for England. That one game, famously, you were the one who gave David Beck, first managed to give David Beckham the armband. Uh, was it five at the back? I know tactically. Yeah, now we played the back. Five at the back. Yeah, we played, one of the first. We played a five. Whatever. Two, and, How did uh, that come about? And and that that sort of time. What was that? That must have been unbelievable. 
Um, well, again, um, Adam Crozier was the right. uh, chief exec, whoever, they, whatever is, or CEO, yeah. whatever. Now the yeah. boss of ITV. Now the boss of ITV. Yeah. Was Spurs fan. Post office. Post office. Yeah. Spurs Former Sarge. Spurs fan. Sarge and Sarge. So anyway, so he, he all of a sudden uh, knew that uh, I went to the game. I went to the England-Germany game where Kevin Keegan resigned. And I remember right. speaking yeah, to Rio there. Ferdinand. It was the last game at Wembley Stadium, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Rio Ferdinand's mum... Uh, no, sadly, no longer with us. She was in the uh, in the in the ground in the stadium, and it was came out that Kevin had resigned. And uh, so she said, "You'll be the you'll be the next manager." And I said, "Yeah, all right, whatever." <laughs> and then eventually, I think the next game for England was France, and Howard Wilkinson took that game. Right. And then I got a phone call from Adam Crozier to say, uh, "Would you do the England team with Bobby Robson?" I said, of course I would. Absolutely, be a pleasure. Uh, and then Newcastle wouldn't let Bobby Robson out. Uh, right. They wouldn't let him. Uh, go <laughs> wouldn't let him it. out the ground. So I, <laughs> so I, I went. Oh, that's in. a shame. <laughs> I'll do it then. Yeah. And uh, but so I was. To be fair, then Adam Crozier said, "Look, would you do it?" Because we definitely don't want Wilco back. Yes, but you. But, but but again, the point is, you knew all these young players coming through. It was even for you know one game only to go. I know these players can do a job yeah. that yeah. whoever yeah. wouldn't. Wouldn't give him a look in. No, no, no. Again, that's where it probably was. It probably was a good selection on their part, knowing that I knew the young players, mm. knowing it's a one game, knowing it's a friendly. So there's nothing. There was nothing so to did lose. You, you did know? you give any de- debuts? Yeah. Um, People like well, people like Seth Johnson, who people right. think we weren't no, a good player, him, but yeah. he was a good player. Yeah, know? not scary. But, but but your Emil Heskies and I think it was about five or uh, and you Carragers. made and Beckham. You made captain, of made course. Captain. Who, who, and, and the reason I made him captain, honestly, I've been I think, through a lot. Hadn't I think he? back now, Gary Neville uh, and Gareth Southgate probably should have been the captains ahead of David Beckham, but. When you was with that England squad, David always wanted to be there, and he always worked bloody hard mm. every time he was there. And there's a lot of England players there that didn't want to go and play in mm. friendlies, but mm. he always wanted to do it, and he'd done it right. And you know, you never know how it's going to work out, but he turned out to be a really, really good captain, yeah. and he played very well as a captain yes, as well. Did, you know, yeah. and um, but that was, you know, that was that was. I had four or five days of fun knowing uh, the result didn't matter, performance did matter, um, but I just loved it. I absolutely loved but then, it. But then, I mean, we don't have time to go into detail with all of them, but obviously there was Leicester, Brighton, Hull, Palace, back. What's it like, you know, when you're so into football and you're, here's this job, this opportunity, and the fact is, you know, the bigger picture with, you know, any team, you're de- not only are you dealing with players and you're dealing with chairman and directors mm. and political stuff. How do you deal with all that every day? Well, I think that's where hopefully the game is changing a little bit because, you know, that's it. When I managed, you were expected to do everything, mm. you know, and and that's why, you know, that's probably why that your, your feelings 10 times more, you know, if you get beat, you feel 10 times worse than a player. And if you win, you probably you probably feel ten times better than mm. than a player, you know. And uh, so there is at that time there was too much to do, you know. Mm. And 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 if I've got any experience now, which I know I have, whenever I see young managers all out watching mm. football all the time, I say to them, calm down, oh, calm really? down. You ain't got to be there every day. Right. You ain't got to watch every match. Right. You know, get people to do that. So and, you learn that from experience. Oh, you think? without a doubt. And, and okay, and there'd be certain clubs out there that have got no budget. You can't have scouts or you can't take the workload off the managers mm. uh, but if there's ever a way you could do that uh, then I think that will keep the manager's career going longer one job I want to ask you about because again it's a pretty whole show in itself you became the, 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 the manager of Bahrain yeah and, yeah. and one was the, the Asian 
Cup or was it was the Hour Cup? We won the Hour Cup. Yeah, we won. It was quite... The Hour Cup. What was that like? How did that come about? What was that like? Again, honestly, you know, and I swear to you now, I Google every now and again. See how they're getting on. To see if the young players are there. But the difference is, somebody from the FA rung me up and said, would you like to manage a national team? I said, of course I would, without a doubt. He said, it's Bahrain. I said, okay. So anyway, and this was a February time. Then all of a sudden in 2012, there's massive problems in Bahrain, you know. It was a really risky place to go to, and I thought, oh, this ain't going to happen. So, but eventually it did happen, and uh, they were a nightmare for making decisions. So it didn't go on. I didn't go there until July. It went on for ages. So, but then I then do my first training session in Bahrain, and I've got about 40 players here, all looked older than me. You know, I'm thinking, so, <laughs> bloody hell. And I'm thinking, I hope they're better than that. Anyway, so, so I, I took the session and I then took the session the next night and I'm saying, I took two, two members of staff with me and I said, bloody standard, ain't very good, you know. Anyway, three days later, I went to see the Olympic team, the Bahrain Olympic team, under 23 team, playing against the Philippines or whatever. All of a sudden, I'm thinking, there we go now. All of a sudden, these are good. So with that, I just... Boshed all the old players because it was all the that were all the players that were probably friends of the shakes yeah, and all that you know exactly and uh, anyway I got rid of all of those and brought in I kept in I kept one or two that I thought would uh, need a bit of experience brought in all the youngsters and the youngsters were fantastic yeah. and they 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 used to say to me coach you're a miracle and I used to say to him why do you mean a miracle because we never would have got the chance really? it had yeah. just been the older players and they'd have just older now they're nice and young and one thing I will say about the England squad the thing that I'm quite proud about is that Sven Goran Eriksson was watching the game that I was in charge of for one game and he would have seen our young players confident mm-hmm. good players good ability and he didn't change too much after that he kept mm-hmm. it and even Gareth Southgate now how young is our squad it's fantastic yeah. isn't it fantastic um, so I think it made everybody realise that we've got the players don't matter about the age given the confidence and they've grabbed it but I mean you, you, you're at Dagenham Redbridge now which yep. uh, I, I can say because it's public they've had Huge financial problems. Mm. So you're really kind of struggling. So presumably your remit is to get the best out of young players. And this brings us back to Tottenham now with Pochettino. I know another level financially, but again, the same kind of... Well, they've spent, spent a bit. But, Tottenham have spent less than Dagenham and... Yeah, you're probably right. You're <laughs> and probably the last right. two it's windows. Like, just in the last two windows. Now stop taking a piss. <laughs> but but in, a, in a way, I'm imagining Pochettino has told, we've got this academy, we've got these young players, we think they're good, but we're not football people. What can you get out of them? It must be kind of what you've been asked to do at Dagenham in the same I know we're talking about another level of player yeah. but it's the same thing of, and you look at um, Danny Rose um, you know certain players I suppose obviously more senior players and Mr. Soko players we just thought well there's just nothing there and he's managed to get mm. something out of players. Presumably that's what you've got to do week in, week out with what um, the tools you've yeah, got. Yeah, I think, again, I know we had a little bit of a, a joke there, but it's, it, to me it's a bit different, a lot different. And, and that's where, to me, the manager of Tottenham deserves so much credit because he, you know, he could have lost his job. If he'd have played youngsters and not, not, not won matches, mm. he could have lost his job. And it's all right the chairman saying to him, you know, we want you to put the youngsters in or we, you can't spend that and you've got to have a go at them. If he didn't win matches, he'd have had a problem but what he's done is he's given those young players 
a cuddle. Uh, they, they, they believe in him. He yeah. believes in them. And they play with no fear. Uh, and they're un, you know, and he's a, such an organised manager anyway, uh, and so that's why it's so important that they keep him because he deserves so much, so much credit for that. Mm. Honestly, because it's not easy. All of a sudden, to go in the Premier League and you're Tottenham Hotspurs, mm. you're expected to win matches, and you stick some youngsters in. And uh, you know, I don't think he's the type of manager that's going to say, right, I've got to spend X amount of pounds because mm. he, he will look at the academy, he will look at the the players coming through, and and. They, they don't have run around and half play with desire. But certain coaches won't do it. You look at Chelsea, and this is Hudson no. Adoy. You know, will not play it for whatever reason. You know, we're not there. But the fact that the last game, you know, Skip, who's 18 year old, yeah. started. Not yeah. like, come on, when you're falling yeah. up. Yeah. Come on. So he's got that kind of belief. And what I ask is, you mentioned before about certain managers put your arm around you. As, as a manager with players, when do you know in your head? This player needs an arm around and this player needs a kick up the arse. How do you sort of get that? Also chairman looking at results. Yeah. How do you try and get that balance right? Um, well, I just think you, you, you've got to know your players. Uh, you know, when you say know them, know the sort of background, yeah, families, you, you, where they've come from. Yeah, yeah, but also you've probably then been with them for two or three months and you know that at times they're quiet on certain days and little things like that. And I think that's where your staff's quite important as right. well. You know, you don't, you don't want your staff just agreeing what you want to give them. You know, you might have to then say, like, they, we might have to be a bit tough with them today. Right. You know, we've just had these two very good results here. They might be getting a little bit sloppy. And mm. little, I, I suppose there's all tricks in the trade, I think, mm. on that one there to keep them on their toes. And, and again, it's very, very handy if you can have 20-odd players. So, so th- those 10 players, that are then 10 outfield players that are starting, all of a sudden they know there's another 10 that could cause them a problem if they take the foot off. You know, and uh, so you know, even though um, Tottenham have got a younger squad, uh, they've still got good players that can come mm. in, as, as he's shown. How good do you think we can be this this Tottenham team? What could, what what do you think? What can we achieve? Um, well, I think that if we still are, are very close to the top, and now Harry's back, mm. I think that's massive, massive mm. because you know, and I think that uh, Son. Has been mm. incredible, you know, mm. and uh, and and uh, you know, Deli Ali is. When's he going to be fit? Uh, he that's might be close. back for the Arsenal. Maybe the Arsenal. Close. Okay, that's, that's nice. March. So, I, I, you know, I was probably one of those people out there that wanted Tottenham to go and sign another really good centre forward uh, because in case Harry got injured. But the difference is, um, how do you say his surname? Lorente. Yeah. I think he's probably better than what people think yeah, as well. Yeah, he's a World Cup winner, I think His so. goal record and his yeah. goal rate is, is, is really good. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's not a terrible one to replace Harry. So that's probably why they didn't do it. And uh, so, so I look at the way that, um, that, that, that they play. Um, if they can keep their fitness levels going and we can keep the best players going, because they are tested with the fitness levels, the way the fellow likes them to be pressed yeah. high and all that. Yeah. that it's going to be a test to play you know, 38 tough Premier matches. Mm. But do you think we... I mean, how close do you think we are to winning big prizes? Or are, are we not close at all? I mean, oh, no, no. I think we're very close. I think we're very close. But it's just that, that final bit. You just... Yeah. You still need that little bit. You know, I still say that any game can change, you know. And, yeah. even, and even the Premier Division now, I'm sure Tottenham will have a problem when they play Burnley. They, yeah. They have a problem when they play... You know, there's, there's teams there that, you know... Are, I think people from the outside just think, oh, well, that's a home win. Mm. It's, not, it's, not, yeah. it's not as easy as that, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's the beauty of the game. Mm. Yeah. Now, I mean, looking back, you had some great years at Spurs. And you've 
absolutely a, a, a fan's favourite for many of us, not just for your skill that we've sort of discussed, but your work rate as well. I remember you always used to come back, put tackles in as well. Oh God, it's you know, 40 years on, I've depressed myself to say that. <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. I'll it's do a slide tackle when I get a car Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, 40, 40 years on, what, what now, what, what does Tottenham mean, mean to you as, as a person? No, honestly, my... Um, uh, I've, thankfully I've got my same wife been married 45 years uh, her brother is a Tottenham season ticket holder so we're and, and he br- bring Harry, Harry can afford it he's a roofer Harry can afford it but he brings his two daughters and his wife to every, to every game and uh, so we're always talking about Tottenham always always talking about Tottenham and um, so I'd love you know I'd love to see them you know win the league or whatever you know I don't think it's a million miles away, but you just need that final, final bit, you know. Yeah. And and I heard you earlier talk about Liverpool. They are having a little bit of yeah, a, a wobble. hiccup, and yeah. and that is the difference. I think that the the level is so high. Yeah. All of a sudden, three players are not producing in that team. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're not running around as much as they should. That's where things can change. Yeah. And uh, and that's you know. And you hope in in Spurs' case to to, to you know to Spurs. Effect, you know. You yeah. heard it here. Pete says basically said we're going to win the league. Uh, he didn't say it, but kind of he intimated it. That's I've it. got I've got players I've got players at Dagenham that are Tottenham mad as well. You know, it's like every morning, like what do you think, Gaff? What do you think? And I'm like, well, yeah. well, you never know. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. Peter, thank you so much for your time. It's Pleasure. been absolutely fantastic. Uh, home, we'll be back uh, next week. Um, who, who's next week? I've mentioned next week, doesn't matter. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, thank you, everyone here, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Peter Taylor. Thank you. Thank you. On this date, January the 22nd, 2008, having drawn the first leg one on this day, January the 20th, 1951, on this day, January the 14th, 1968, if you're interested in the history, landmarks and great achievements of the football club we hold dear, your love on this day. And White Hart Lane erupts. Jimmy Greaves equalises from the stroke of half-time. Aaron Lennon scores a fourth. Tottenham embark on a 19-game unbeaten run. On this day, a daily mini-series dedicated exclusively to memorialise great Spurs days gone by. Exclusively available at patreon.com slash Spurs show. Patreon.com slash Spurs slash Spurs slash Jimmy Greaves equalises on the stroke of half-time. John Pratt Brace at a con- January the 17th, 1968. Patreon.com slash Spurs slash Spurs slash Spurs. Aaron Lennon scores a fourth. Tottenham embark on a 19-game unbeaten run. 1951. Martin Chivers makes his debut for Spurs. Top of the league and White Hart Lane a run. 1978. 2008. 1951. 1968. Patreon.com slash Spurs slash Spurs slash Spurs. The Spurs Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at spurshow.net. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.